You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's February 15th. President Trump is signing a bipartisan spending bill today that will avert another partial government shutdown, ensuring federal workers remain on the job and keep getting their paychecks. During the last shutdown, the longest in U.S. history at 35 days, hundreds of thousands of federal employees went unpaid. And the stories of hardship suffered by many of these workers have since come into focus. But financial vulnerability isn't just a problem for government workers, says Rand's Krishna Kumar. It's the reality for a majority of Americans. 78% of workers live paycheck to paycheck. And four out of 10 adults cannot cover unexpected expenses of $400 without selling something or borrowing money. Kumar says this is worrisome. Having enough discretionary income is an important aspect of being in the middle class. And a thriving middle class is often considered to be one of the engines that spur economic growth. When the middle class is in trouble, the economy as a whole could drag in the long run. So what can be done? It won't be easy to find policy solutions, says Kumar, but to start, policymakers could focus on training for workers who've lost out to the forces of technological change and globalization. Tackling the growing income gap is another important step. The central issue in the negotiations that produced today's spending bill, border security, remains contentious. Because the bill did not include funding for building a wall at the U.S. southern border, President Trump announced this morning that he is declaring a national emergency to secure the funds through other means. Earlier this week, Rand's Blas Nunez Nato took a measured look at this issue. He says there may be parts of the border where barriers make sense, but in remote areas, barriers are less effective and can present serious maintenance challenges. And barriers will not affect migrants seeking asylum, a group that accounts for a rapidly growing share of all individuals encountered at the border. There are other investments lawmakers could consider to address problems related to border security. Expanding the number of immigration judges, for example, could help process asylum claims faster, and providing additional support for the families and children who are apprehended at the border may help address humanitarian concerns. Yesterday marked exactly one year since the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. This tragedy was one of the events of 2018 that again thrust gun policy into the national conversation. On previous episodes of this show, we've discussed a project led by RAND researchers that aims to inform this important debate. The initial findings from that ongoing project, one of the largest studies ever conducted on U.S. gun policy, were released in March of last year. The goal is to establish a shared set of facts that will help improve the discussion and support the development of fair and effective gun policies. To learn more about what scientific research says about the effects of gun laws, visit rand.org slash gun policy. In a recent interview, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo expressed the Trump administration's belief that Hezbollah, specifically Lebanese Hezbollah, maintains active cells in Venezuela and that the terrorist group is trained, financed, and equipped by Iran. This isn't a surprise, says Rand's Colin Clark. Hezbollah is entrenched in Venezuela, with a vast infrastructure for drug trafficking, money laundering, and smuggling. But what is uncertain is whether efforts to rid Venezuela of Hezbollah would be helped by a regime change, more specifically replacing President Nicolas Maduro with opposition leader Juan Guaido. 
a move the United States and dozens of other nations support. Clark says that a government led by Guaido would almost certainly be more active in opposing Hezbollah by more aggressively seeking to curtail the group's criminal network, and by extension, the influence of Iran. But because there are currently far more pressing needs in Venezuela, Hezbollah may be lower on Guaido's list of priorities than the Trump administration would like. Teachers often use student data to help inform their instruction, but studies have shown that access to this data isn't consistent, and educators often don't have the preparation or skills needed to interpret and use the information. To learn more, RAND researchers conducted a survey of teachers all across the country. According to the survey, most teachers did have access to student attendance and grade data, and many had access to standardized test scores by student and grade. But when it came to more advanced data, for example, students' disciplinary history, fewer than half the teachers surveyed had access. Most teachers, 83%, said they had support for using this data. The support often came in the form of principal encouragement or professional development. And overall, the survey found that teachers who were supported used data more often and for more purposes. Continued investment in this area could help educators more effectively use data in the classroom. The Islamic Revolution took place 40 years ago this week. Since that time, hundreds of American scholars and practitioners have attempted to understand Iran's foreign policy and how to best respond to the challenges it poses. Rand's Ariane Tabatabai weighed in on the subject this week. She says that Iran hasn't departed from its revolutionary roots, but its foreign policy today is largely shaped by security considerations, not ideology. This means the United States isn't likely to change Iran's behavior, and it won't be easy for the Trump administration to negotiate a deal with Iran to curb its nuclear and missile programs, she says. Quote, Iran seems to be waiting out the Trump administration, continuing to avoid direct military confrontation with the United States without looking like it's compromising its interests or backing down from its gains. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.